and welcome to Meanwhile in an Abandoned Warehouse. My name is Owen Kelly and I'm here with Sophie Hope and David Teven. Last episode we were talking with David about the history of participatory arts in Ireland and in this episode we continue that conversation focusing on the people, the places and the important events. Oh, so, so so a North Star Hotel meeting, cafe, was created. Um, Sandy would have been very involved in that. And 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 then Sandy Fitzgerald, the, the, the other big institution in Ireland would have been the City Arts Centre, which was set up in uh, a building in a... It, in, in Talbot Street, I think, uh, or just off Talbot Street, and then had a had a building. They had a room initially, and then they had a building, and then they got a purpose. At this building, which became the City Arts Centre, it was initially called the Grapevine Arts Centre, and then became City Arts Centre, and that became a hub in for the community arts in Ireland. And um, my research, I mean, I had wonderful research in the archives of the Arts Council, looking at the history of cafe and how it evolved and how it transitioned into cat create in the early 21st century and looking at City Arts Centre and how it uh, ultimately collapsed at around the same period and I think for a lot of the same reasons because that period around 2000-2004 was a period when community arts started questioning what it was doing where the, the, the context with it, which it was working had changed so dramatically and again, you have to go outside of the arts and look at what was happening in society. Ireland had this boom period in the 90s. It started to have immigration in the 90s for the first time ever. Um, uh, so a lot of things were changing. Um, so that, that story is, um, uh, it's, it's a big story. Okay, can I, can I come back to create then? Because now seems the right time to ask that question. First part, is create also an acronym? Does it stand for something or does it just mean create? I don't think so. Okay, so create arose out of the ashes of... Owen, sorry. Or arose phoenix-like from cafe. That's a a very interesting story because both cafe and City Arts Centre were in crisis in the late 90s. Um, And... um, I have evidence of that from the files in the Arts Council. They were having leadership crises. They were having internal crises. There were some legal issues going on. Um, funding was always an issue. So there was always that strain. Um, and um, Cafe decided... Cafe, there was a negotiation between the Arts Council and um, the, the board of Cafe and the staff of Cafe and the Arts Council at that time were looking for a resource organization to help them to uh, um, support the art, the, the art uh, collaborative and participatory arts community. Uh, and they negotiated with CAFE that CAFE would become that organization, which meant CAFE had to leave go of its activism and become a, a different organization. It became an ally of the Arts Council. It, it ultimately, in, a number of years later, it started to distribute the uh, funding on, you know, in collaboration with the Arts Council. And there are some who still to this day feel that they sold out. Um, I think myself 
that they made a strategic decision that they were going to lose their funding if they didn't. So they decided that better in than out. Um, and I think initially when CAFE transitioned to CREATE, CREATE was an organization very much focused on artists and supporting artists. It provided training to artists. And even its, its, its mission statement was very artist-focused. I think under its current director, uh, Alva Murphy, I think who, who's a very sophisticated thinker in terms of this realm um, coming from the visual arts background, she has opened it up again in terms of, because community and collaborative arts is about the communities we work with. And therefore, if you're not engaging with them in a real way, then you're, you're, um, you're failing to support that sector. So it's been a very, very important organization. It has transitioned, but then as times change, I, I believe one needs to be, um, uh, and there is also room for an activist organization if that is needed. Um, it plays a different function. Um, so, is there an activist organization in collaborative arts in Ireland at the moment? Sorry, I missed the beginning of that question on. Is there currently an activist organization in Ireland in the way that you've been describing? Not specifically in relation to the arts, no. Um, uh, I, I mean, I think that, that I think that community arts in Ireland, and we haven't discussed, I mean, we've only touched the surface of the history of, of, of its evolution in Ireland. But I think ultimately, and this is maybe where we move into a discussion about the conversation that happened in within the Arts Council, um, because again, another part of my study was, you know, looking at the sectoral activity, but looking at how did the Arts Council deal with um, the arrival of community arts? And um, we, there were a number of very specific characters who were mentioned. Um, uh, Kieran Benson, in particular, Kieran was a psychology professor in UCD, and he wrote a very important paper for the Arts Council in 1979 about art and education. There was very little, if no art, sort of art in Irish education up to that time, <clears throat> and that and that has changed, and it starts at that point. Um, uh, and then in 19, in the 1980s, he was brought in when the Gulbenkian Foundation, who were very important in the UK in terms of community arts, um, collaborated with the Arts Council on a project called the ACE Project, in which they gave a significant amount of money to this committee or this, this, this um, organization called ACE to, to work in an experimental way with organizations in the community and education sector. And at the end of that, Kieran. The, the, this committee published a book and within which there is an essay by Kieran Benson and it is his personal perspective and it, it's really interesting because when I met him in 2016 he was saying I was writing that essay because of the resistance within the Arts Council to community arts so it was a very pointed piece of work and he shifted the focus from the political aspect of community arts to its um, sort of more the democratization of lay creativity. So it was about creating, making the importance of providing access to both the making of art and the appreciation of art in the wider community, because that would benefit the arts. So he was he was very much looking to to uh, shift a mindset within the policy area in Ireland. But I think it also re is it also reflective of Ireland that a lot of the, the 
and this goes back to the regionalization of the arts, a lot of the community arts in Ireland were about lay creativity rather than a political agenda. Um, Can you just remind us, David, what the year of that Gulbenkian publication was? Was it 1989? 1980. And then Kieran Benson became the chair of the Arts Council in 1992. So he was chair of the Arts Council from 1992 to 1998. And again, that was very, very significant. There were, the other characters I would mention is Colm O'Brien, who was the director of the Arts Council during the 80s, who, who became Michael D. Higgins' advisor when he was Minister of the Arts in 1993. So you have this almost this perfect storm where you had Three members of the Labour Party, Kieran Benson, um, Michael D. Higgins and uh, Colm O'Brien in these positions of power. So in the 1990s, um, I started my work in professional arts in 1990. We set up a theatre company. In 1993, when Michael D. Higgins became the Minister of Arts, uh, they, they, there was this huge commitment to funding the regions. And the organisation I was uh, involved with got our first grant and, and it grew gradually during that so the, 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 the transformation of, re, of arts in regional Ireland changed dramatically during the 90s because of this influence so, so that horizontal spreading of arts um, arts funding across the country making arts possible was part of this uh, cultural democracy that in Ireland can you say a bit more about that? Um, because I think that's, again, thinking about the sort of specificness of the context in Ireland and the what you were saying about the lay creativity and uh, this um, the difference between, I guess, a democratisation of culture and cultural democracy, those discussions that were happening in the 80s. Can you explain a bit more, give a bit more kind of info on, the, on that context? Because I think there's something sort of maybe similar but different happening in in other parts in in parts of england and other parts of the uk where there's a kind of well owen was writing about the sort of issues around the the, the depoliticization uh, of mm. community arts and yes kind of the, the depoliticization um i i would say that it was it was different in ireland in that um it hadn't been hugely political in the beginning it, there were certain pockets of it that were political, but the wider, the needs within Ireland were very different. There was a, an extraordinary need to to create uh, the access across the country to the arts, um, uh, to you know, to, to, the, 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 for the state to distribute its uh, funding to the arts more equitably. So that was a, a really important um, issue that was faced facing the Irish government that I don't know that was facing. Um, that was similar in other jurisdictions. Um, so, um, but the, 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 the discussion about the introduction of the idea of cultural democracy would have been one that was brought in to the Arts Council during Colm O'Brien's term as the director. Um, uh, there was a, an individual called Lark Cassidy who was brought on as the community arts officer. Um, and. Lar was an extraordinary individual whose essays I've written, I passed one on to you, I don't know if you had a chance to read it. Um, there's another essay, so he was there, and I, I was thinking about it over the, he was like the, the sort of, he was the, 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 the boots on the ground. So he was going into the art colleges and he did this wonderful essay where he likened, um, uh, he, tr he, he compared community arts 
uh, to quantum physics um, and what, what you know the possibilities within community arts being similar to within sort of quantum physics. I can't remember the exact parallel, but he was using these extraordinary. He was struggling, and what it was a sense of he was struggling to find ways to talk about this that would connect with people. Within the Arts Council, there was a, a board of the Arts Council that were largely made up of of different arts interest groups. Um, so, so you would have had the, the the high arts would have been very well represented. So, how do you persuade them to to share what is already a very very small pot of money with this new art form that's also doing social work that has this political objective? So in the essays by Lark Cassidy and in the essay in um, uh, Art and the Ordinary by Kieran Benson in 89, that is the objective. It is introducing the idea of cultural democracy as being something that is important alongside the democratization of culture. So, and, and, and very interestingly, when I started this research, um, I left my work at the festival in Clonmel and I um, got a... Uh, was engaged by the Arts Council as their festival advisor, and I'm working there for the last four years. It's an external position, so I'm not staff, um, but I've had an opportunity to see the dynamics of the working in the Arts Council while also looking at the history. And if you go back to the 1950 to 1970s, um, I think there was neither um, cultural democracy nor the democratization of arts. This was a gentleman's club to share the money among you know, our painter friends. Um, and, uh, and our, our, our classical musicians. Then, democratize, in 1975, there was a Richards Report, um, and it started to, the, the idea of access became important. So you start to have the democratization of culture. And I guess the high arts get that because they need audience. So if we democratize the arts, we get more audience. And then you have these, these um, uh, um, the renegades who are coming in and going, yeah, but what about, what about the, the the democratization of culture. We want to make art too. We want our voices heard. And you had a number of people within that, um, the sort of elite, uh, who come, came from the sort of Irish Labour Party tradition, who believed in cultural democracy, Colm O'Brien, Mark Cassidy, uh, uh, Michael D. Higgins, um, Kieran Benson. And they were looking to find a way that we could make it palatable. And they were not saying we don't want to get rid of the high arts. They were saying there is a valid place for this too. And, and, and I would say that over the 40 years, that has been successful. That would be my analysis. Can I, can yeah. I ask two questions to follow on from that? Uh, the first one is a, a kind of less important historical one, maybe, but not less important. Lark Cassidy died young, didn't he, in his 40s at the end of the 1990s. Uh, yes. Did his death make a difference to the progress of cultural democracy in Ireland? Or was it already at a stage where his death, tragic and unfortunate though it was, was not, did not hold up any developments? Um, I, I think Lar contributed hugely to the to cultural democracy in Ireland. I, I think the Arts Council, within the Arts Council and within the wider, um, uh, I think he had made, he left a huge legacy and, and he, he was very, very much uh, grieved by uh, the arts community in Ireland. Um, but I think, I, but I don't think that it, it slowed it down. I think things were changing so dramatically in the 90s in Ireland. Um, 
that, um, I mean, Ireland went to the Celtic Tiger happened, and like we became wealthy, we started having immigration, and we went mad. I mean, it was a very crazy time, um, and and the arts benefited in in lots of ways. Um, uh, but there's also a sense that during that time we also became complacent and we lost our edge. And I would say that in after post 2008. And, and possibly this is where my research comes. You know, the projects I'm looking at happened post-crash. Um, so, is it that the 80s, when we had a when we had a recession, is when the art, art community arts happened, and collaborative and participatory arts has had a, a, a resurgence in the crash period? Um, uh, okay, then let me ask the second part of my question, because when you were drawing up this history this movement towards cultural democracy and Lark Cassidy was important in it then Michael D Higgins was also extremely important in it and he's now president so arguably if he was ever going to be in a position where he could implement the things he believed in passionately now is it so has his presidency made anything move forward in the area of cultural democracy or has it somehow disappeared as an idea? That's a very big question. Firstly, when Michael D. Higgins was Minister for the Arts, he moved mountains. He, he, he did, it was an extraordinary period. He, he is the only Minister of Arts we've had that you know, had a really profound understanding of the arts. He's a wonderful intellect. Um, now, he happens to be a cultural democrat, but which was benefited in terms of the opening up of the arts enormously. So it was when he was Minister he had power. The, the role of president is, is a, 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 a symbolic role. He doesn't have power as president. We're, we're not talking uh, Donald Trump here. It's very, very different. It's but, more like the Finnish presidency in that case, yes. How, however, he, he, he is constantly speaking on behalf of the arts and of the importance of the arts. And his, 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 his discourse is always one that is tinged with his uh, political ideology. So he continues to be a very influential person. I mean, last week, um, the arts in Ireland um, got a relief package, COVID relief package of 25 million. The morning of that decision, Michael D. Higgins was on the radio. It happened to be Bloomsday. And he was talking about, you know, he was talking about Bloomsday, but he was making the point that we have to look after the artists. We have to look after the technicians who support the artists. You know, these are the voice of, of, and especially in this time, and and they're very, very vulnerable. So his voice is still very, very important. And um, yes, I, I mean, um, it, he's a president and a, and a political statesman that I think, as a nation, we're very, very proud of. Just a final question, and we'll wrap up. Um, but this final question is is probably don't have time to do justice. Uh, it's about the how this conversation for me is well it, it's really been so helpful but it's also added to my ongoing frustrations and I guess enthusiasm as well for what the hell does cultural democracy mean uh, question because um, it's it it highlights as well the, the the very nuanced kind of messiness of the term and that how on the one hand we're exploring the kind of exploring the closeness with cult- democratization of culture which is almost why institutions like arts the arts council uh, can get behind it uh, and but on the other hand it has sort of perhaps more radical or or 
uh, open kind of interpretations as to not only who produces culture but how democracy happens and works in a, in a culture and, and through through people doing stuff together and um, and I wondered if there were uh, yeah I guess it's sort of those roots and those questions which are inevitably political questions as to how people continue to um, to find ways to interact with society and, and culture in different ways and that that does come down to that vertical kind of question of, of, of class and redistribution of, of resources and wealth and but um, yeah it's uh, it's so it's on the one hand and this is why the kind of contradiction between how do you support artists and people who want to kind of produce culture to continue to, to, to continue to do that whilst also feeding themselves and their families um, but on the other hand how can ideas of cultural democracy kind of make help us radically rethink how societies are structured governed um, yeah run and things like that you know what I mean this is sort of brings up all of that again mm. I know sorry David that's <laughs> Well, do we have three days to unpick this? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, isn't it? Isn't it? It's an extraordinarily fascinating uh, space, and I, I think both of you have gone through the PhD journey. I mean, it, it's only a beginning. I, you get to the end, and you realise you're at the beginning. Um, that that there's so much, um, and, and particularly in this space, it is so multi-layered and so complex. Um, uh, if I look at the history, if we just take it back to the history, you know, there was an, a, a gentleman's club distributing money to their friends. There is now an arts council that I'm, I'm quite well acquainted with. There's, there's now within the arts council, there are still, and I hate the term culture, it's just so clunky, culture and democracy and the democratization of culture. But anyway, there's still those, those departments that are, that are representing or whose, whose concern are the high arts tend to be thinking in terms of the democratization of culture. But there are also a significant number of departments, like the, the, the department that looks after children and young people, the festival department that I'm involved with, um, the, the um, uh, local authority department, that are, that are definitely um, overseen with a cultural democratic perspective. So within the Arts Council, there is a tension. And I think this is what Karen Benson was talking about, is that, you know, it is healthy to have that tension there. We, we still, I mean, I love the opera. I mean, and God knows when I look at the funding that opera needs, it, I cry because I know what, we're, what, 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 that, what could be done in a community context. So there's this tension there and there's never enough money. And so the, the conversation keeps going on. I think Lark Cassidy did leave his imprint on this. I think Colm O'Brien, who also died young and for overworking, whose, whose daughter, Shona Nivreen, is the head of uh, young people and children in the current Arts Council. So there's an amazing legacy. Um, but the, the one, um, in Ireland, what, what I was inspired by was, was, was that seeing that this conversation is happening again in the UK, that the, the conversation about cultural democracy and the use, they're using those terms. I think those terms are fine, a bit clunky, but they actually do describe two distinct ideologies and, and, and pathways. And that conversation is going on in the UK. I don't see it going on in Ireland. I, th th those terms aren't used. Um, so I'm, I use them occasionally, and, and, and people maybe look at me like, oh, what's he talking about? Um, 
But what's really, really interesting, and as a person I didn't mention and I need to mention, is a man called Martin Drury. Martin Drury was the first arts officer in Ireland back in the early 80s. Martin was involved, it was an officer in the Arts Council during the ACE period, so he would have sat on the committee with Lark Cassidy and with Kieran Benson. Um, he then went away and set up the ARC, which is the Children's Theatre in Dublin, which is a wonderful art centre, art, art theatre and art centre. And then he came back to the, in a fairly senior, he was one of the, the senior executives in the Arts Council, and he was responsible for writing the current uh, strategy document for the Arts Council, or he led the team that did it, and it's called Making Great Artworks. And in it, he uses the ideology of, I mean, I can see uh, Making Great Artworks is actually a reference to, um, to, the, it, it, to the ACE uh, document, it, it's in, um, to Kieran Benson's essay in the ACE document. So in Making Great Artworks, he, the Arts Council sets out a policy of supporting the artists and public engagement. And anyone working in the current Arts Council, when you're evaluating anything, when you're looking at anything, the, the, the two parameters that you are being asked to, to, to two lenses are, is, is how is this supporting culture, art, the artists and the art form development? And is it connecting with an audience? And what is, what is that, you know, uh, how are we supporting audiences? How are we supporting publics? And, and that's not just in terms of, of access to the, um, uh, seeing work and, and experiencing work, it's about the quality of the experience of the work and it's also the access to making work. So, you know, 40 years later, the Arts Council has a policy that it doesn't say culture and democracy and democratization of culture, but I think both of those ideologies are there and working, you know, hand in hand with each other. Some festivals that I'm involved in, you know, as in my job now, I see a lot of festivals, some of them are more culturally, more, more you know, are held up by an idea of cultural democracy. Others are much more about the democratization of culture. Um, and they can be, they can be good and bad. Most of them, most, I, and it's interesting, <laughs> in, in, in um, a lot of these are voluntary run as well. And in four years visiting these festivals, I think there was only one festival I went to, and I've been to hundreds of festivals. One festival I went to and I said, there is nothing about this festival that is worth supporting. But I think that's pretty damn good statistics. So, and again, festivals are a thing that emerged in the community arts. Um, you know, were very central. They were they were part of community arts initially. So, um, I've wandered a little bit, Sophie. Um, uh, I think culture and democracy is, um, you know, is working, and it will always have more work to do. Um, uh, but I think that that there's enough of a of a cohort of people who who and i come from a very privileged background um so you know um i'm privileged to have been introduced to the opera and have access to the opera etc but but where i get really excited is when i see art that actually goes out and um creates ripples in a community that provides platforms for those voices we don't hear very often within within the 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 um cultural institutions, whether they be festivals or art centres, um, and uh, that's what, you know, that's what gets me up in the morning. Thank you so much, David. I think that's a, a good place to end. Um, we really appreciate you coming on to our podcast series, um, and yeah, please do keep in touch, um, and uh, we're going to put the 
links as well to some of the things that you've mentioned, some of the, some of the people and documents. So on the website, on the show.